This Sunday is one of those interesting days in which a fixed saint's day happens to fall on a Sunday. The result is the lectionary provides multiple readings that could be used depending on which is going to be prioritized. And if you happen to listen or be present for the sermon on the vigil of the Nativity, also known as Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, you'll see that the lectionary that we are using today and the lectionary for that night happened to be the same reading as far as the gospel for this particular Sunday in the Christmas cycle. But instead, we're looking at St. Stephen today, First Martyr, but we're going to have a little bit of overlap as the sermon works forward. So, we have a Saint's Day on a Sunday, and like I said, if it happens to happen in ordinary time, it is an almost unnoticed, except by those who have a devotion to the saint in question, experience. Sunday in ordinary time, typically no other holidays to concern yourself with. For example, the 25th of July is the Feast of St. James the Greater, who was martyred by King Herod in Jerusalem. When St. James the Greater was martyred by Herod, he was the first of the apostles to be martyred. Having his saint's day fall on a Sunday, for all those churches out there who are named for St. James the Greater, also known as Santiago, when the 25th of July falls on a Sunday, it is considered a holy year, and all types of festivities are scheduled. To save you from a quick pulling out of your calendars, 2021 happens to be a holy year of St. James. The 25th of July fell on Sunday this year. But being in July, being in ordinary time, there was no calendar conflict created by celebrating his feast day on Sunday. Now today, it is the feast of St. Stephen. St. Stephen was the first deacon and the first of Jesus' followers to be martyred. I happened to find it a curious twist of the church calendar that the first martyr, the deacon Stephen, and the first apostle to be martyred, St. James, each fall on a Sunday in the same year. There's a difference with Stephen, however. His feast day is not in ordinary time like it was for James. It is during the Christmas season, and being the day after Christmas ensures that trying to observe St. Stephen's Day can create conflict with other holidays that are associated with Christmas. Today that conflict is the first Sunday of Christmas, when we would have been looking more closely, and actually we will look more closely, at Joseph and how he considered quietly putting Mary away, because she had been found with child and assumed, therefore, to have violated her virginity. As a woman betrothed, Mary was bound to Joseph as equally as if they were fully married. To have violated her virginity prior to their wedding, even if she were not, as much evidence suggests, a consecrated virgin, was a death penalty offense, and one for which she would have been stoned to death. 
Joseph would have been struggling within himself, trying to figure out the right thing to do. Joseph would be thinking, if I should conceal her sin, I would be acting against God's law. And if I should publicize it to the sons of Israel, they will stone her to death. While Joseph is trying to determine the right thing to do, we are told that Joseph is a just man. What does it mean when Matthew says that Joseph was a just man? In modern America, people talk about justice as a way of saying punishment. Words like, he will have to face justice, the criminal justice system, and bring them to justice, all imply punishment. But in the Bible, we learn something different. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, the prophet tells us that the Lord requires these things of us, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Working those in reverse in order to gain a better understanding, when we walk humbly with God, we do not try to exceed what God will do. Instead, we follow God's example. God's example is to reach out and treat people with grace and mercy. Following God's example, Christians are to love kindness, that is, being kind to those around us. And when we understand all of the above, we can understand that do justice is not punishing, but doing what is right, what is appropriate, what will help instead of hurt. In the Greek-English lexicon, what is a dictionary for the Bible, the definition of just is to be upright, fair, or equitable. So we see Matthew told us that Joseph was a just man on purpose. Matthew wants us to know that Joseph would not be seeking punishment. Instead, Joseph will want to do what is right. Not knowing for certain Mary's guilt or what circumstances may have been involved in her pregnancy, Joseph tries to figure out how to respond. Once again, we can hear Joseph thinking, what shall I do then? I will put her away secretly, because it is better in an uncertain matter that a known criminal should get off free than an innocent person should die. It is, indeed, more just that an unjust person should escape than a just person should die unjustly. If a guilty person should escape today, he can die another day. But if an innocent person should die once, he cannot be brought back. Joseph, as a just man, a man who acted justly, that is, upright, fair, and equitable, decided that the best thing to do, the just thing to do, the upright, fair, and equitable thing to do, was not to seek the punishment of Mary, but to save her from the sure death she would have received. Had Joseph not been a just man, we would not be here today. Mary would have been the faith's first martyr, before there was even a faith for which to be martyred. But Joseph was just. Jesus was born. Jesus lived. Jesus gathered followers. Jesus' followers began to change the world. The church was born. Before long, the church had grown until they needed more staff. And the apostles said to themselves, There is too much work to do. We need to get some helpers. We need some deacons. That is what deacon means. A helper, a server, a person who will assist. The first man to be selected and ordained a deacon is Stephen. The book of Acts, chapter 6, written by Luke, who wrote the gospel according to St. Luke, 
describes the selection and ordination of the deacons beginning with Stephen. Then Luke tells us what happened next. Stephen was full of grace and was performing miracles. That detail requires a short side note. There are people who want Mary to be an ordinary woman functionally forgotten after giving birth to Jesus, who will ask if Stephen was free from sin because the Bible calls him full of grace. When the answer is no, and to be clear, the answer is no, Stephen was not preserved from sin, they respond by saying, in that case, full of grace for Mary cannot mean preserved from sin. There is a difference in the text, however. Mary is described as full of grace using the verb kechurit omene. That verb is a passive perfect verb. That's a fancy way of saying that the meaning of the verb is that the action is done to Mary, passive. That action is done to Mary. God is the one filling Mary with the grace. And that it is perfect. It is complete. It is in its fullness. Both paths all three, past, present, and future. The the angel Gabriel's use of this verb, tense, said to Mary, Mary, you have been filled with grace from the very beginning, are currently filled with grace, and you will be perpetually filled with grace. Understanding the angel Gabriel's greeting to Mary by calling her Kecheratomene, full of grace from the very beginning until the very end, reveals the theological background of the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. Just as Mary admitted in her own words after the Annunciation, she, like us all, are in need of a Savior. But in the case of Mary, her Savior, our Savior, acted in a preemptive manner applying the perfect fullness of grace from her very conception to save her from sin before sin could save her so- stain her soul stephen however although being my being uh, named for him i would like for him to share in such a blessing stephen is a different story yes luke does say in the english translation that stephen is full of grace but luke says that stephen is plenus Charitos. Plenus is not a verb. It's an adjective that means full, and charitos is a noun that means grace. Luke is telling us that Stephen had a full amount a full amount of grace in the moment. And that grace gave Stephen the power to do many signs and wonders, what we would call miracles, and preach with such power as to confound the synagogue authorities. By the end of the seventh chapter of Acts, The Jewish rulers are furious with Stephen. They seized him, cast him outside of the city, and they stoned Stephen to death, just as Jesus was forced outside of the city to be crucified on Calvary. As he fell to the ground dying, Stephen followed the example of Jesus when he was crucified. Jesus called out to the Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen called out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. Jesus looked up to heaven, called out to Jesus, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The first martyr for the faith did exactly as Jesus said. He picked up his cross and followed Jesus, not only in death, but step by step in that death. 
all while Saul of Tarsus watched and guarded the coats of the executioners. Saul's name will be important in a minute, so let's get a few details out. The S should really be pronounced with an SH sound. Shh. It should sound like Shoal, like King Solomon, actually starts with the SH sound. It's a Sh when you read in the Hebrew. And also important, Saul or Shoal meaning, means begged for. The executioners placed their feet, excuse me, placed their coats at the feet of Shoal of Tarsus. Now quickly back to Stephen. Stephen gained strength to face his execution, it can be believed, because Jesus had warned all of his followers. Our gospel text for the Feast of St. Stephen explains that to us. Jesus said to the Jew, Jewish rulers and Pharisees, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth. In this simple statement, Jesus warns his followers that they will be persecuted for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus warns the Jewish, Jewish rulers and the Pharisees that they will be held responsible for the shedding of all the faithful blood. The Roman subdeacon Arator reflected on the deacon Stephen, his death, and both the reward and the promise, excuse, the rewards and the punishment promised by Jesus. Speaking of those who stoned Stephen to death, Arator said, the savage men lay down their garments at the feet of Shoal, Saul, Saul or Shoal. The savage men lay down their garments at the feet of Saul, what the Hebrews call hell. Both sides now decide to declare what they deserve from this martyrdom. When the martyr seeks heaven, the executioners beg for Shoal, Sheol. Hell, the first circumstance of martyrdom reveals and makes an example what flows from this fountain to one engaged in such a struggle. Thus Sheol quickly comes upon those who commit murder, while heaven lies open for the dying. You see the word play between the name Sheol and Sheol for, he for hell. Stephen followed the example of Jesus. Now, today, every day, we have the opportunity to follow the example of Stephen. Every day of Christian life is a struggle and the opportunity to give something of ourselves for the kingdom of heaven. The word martyr means witness. We are all called to be martyrs, witnesses for Christ, whether that results in our death or not. We can pick up our crosses daily and along with Stephen follow Jesus, living as his witnesses, living as his martyrs, all the way to heaven. Or we can turn our attention to the world and allow it to comfort us. We can cast our eyes to heaven or we can place ourselves at the feet of and beg for Sheol. Arator encourages us to follow Jesus. O martyr, embark on struggles which will cause happy deaths, where punishment is glory and to fall is to rise, and 
By slaughter is born immortality, embracing the rewards of everlasting life. Lo, to have merited thus to die was the beginning of, the, of a blessed life without end. Amen.